Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 4. Today we're talking to Frank de Younga, the creator of Fly System, which powers all of Laravel's internal file system goodness and lots of other wonderful things. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 4, where every single episode is about a specific topic. And today we're talking about storage and file systems and putting your files in the system or in the server. And one of my good friends, one of my oldest friends in Laravel is going to join us today, who has a very important role to play here that I'm not going to tell you right now because we're going to get there eventually. But first, I'm just going to say I'm going to welcome Frank de Younga. Um, and Frank, I'm just going to allow you to be the one to tell us about who you are and where you come from. But I do just want to say that you all use his work every single time you work with storage and, and file systems. We'll explain that later in the podcast. But just so you know, this guy knows what he's doing. So, Frank, if you meet somebody, again, I keep asking this grocery store system thing, thing for people. But in the past, or if you meet somebody in any other context, how do you tell people what you do? If they're not programmers, how do you talk about what you do? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting one. So I mostly just tell people that I write software. And okay. uh, yeah. so people... Uh, people ask me what I do, and it's like, oh, do you make websites then? Is that what you do? Uh, is that so, uh-huh. that's sort of the area that you're in? It's like, yeah, well, it's a, it's a little bit more than that because, you know, you yeah. can now have, like, serious software working on web servers that you can use, like, actual applications uh, for yeah. uh, pretty much anything. And uh, so in my day-to-day job, I work at, uh, at Molly, which is a company that processes payments. So I do fintech stuff in PHP. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's probably a lot of people who are like, yeah, I would never do that in PHP, but it's totally possible. And uh, yeah, I love that you're doing it. it makes and, and you also do event sourcing stuff, which we won't get into here. But is that are you doing event sourcing at work or no? Uh, so some of it, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I know that when people talk about when when should we use event sourcing, that's a that's a fintech thing. For anybody who doesn't know, fintech just means finances, technology related to f- finances. So he basically he does lots of stuff with. Uh, what's the word? Currency and transactions and all that kind of stuff, but in PHP. I love it. It's an interesting um, so, field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny because when I, when I, we were talking before the podcast and I was like, man, I would love to have you or one of your coworkers on some other time just to talk about doing money in PHP. But that's not today. That's another time. So, so you, you, oh, you work there. So you also, no, again, I'm not talking about why we have you on today. But, well, you know what? Whatever. You created an open source package with the PHP League, right? Called Fly System. Was that with PHP League? Okay. That's so PHP. for those who are not familiar, because I don't think we've talked about them yet on this um, podcast, there's a group of packages. I don't know if it's a group of package authors because it's not like all of them are under it called the PHP League. And it's is it the PHP League.com or PHP League.com or something like that? The and they PHP just created League. Okay. Yeah. The PHP League.com. It says the League of Extraordinary Packages. And I think it was the, the primary goal was just to like put together some really high quality stuff that targets the PHP environment, right? Correct. So initially it started off as a way to have a collective that could together. Uh, maintain a couple of open source packages. And then the togetherness is more in the sense of making sure that we reduce the bus factor on the individual packages. Uh, So if I, like, God forbid, get run over by a bus, uh, then somebody else can pick it over. Because there's a lot of people depending uh, on packages from the leak. And uh, we've had a a period in time where we were actively sourcing new packages. That's no longer the case, although we still get uh, a lot of uh, requests uh, for that. Uh, But we wanted to focus on everything that was outside of uh, uh, frameworks. Uh, so uh, my buddy, uh, uh, Phil Sturgeon and Ben Corlett, uh, uh, at the time, uh, were looking at uh, first maintaining frameworks. I used to be on a core team with uh, with Phil Sturgeon. We kind of got done with the whole framework thing because we saw it uh, got done over and over. And, well, we were getting passed by left and right by Laravel. So, you know, that's kind of demotivating to be working yep. on a framework. And then, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was that case. And But I was working on some other stuff. And uh, Phil, uh, I was working on uh, like a MongoDB abstraction and Phil knew about that and was like, hey, do you want to bring uh, that abstraction into uh, starting the, uh, into the starting group of, uh, of, of the PHP leg? And I was like, yeah, well, you know, sure, but I've also got this other thing. It's a mm-hmm. it's a file system abstraction that I'm working on, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, could be could be something. 
Uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, fast forward, I think we're eight years into <laughs> How many it millions now. of downloads? Uh, so, yeah. like, I uh, I always count my uh, my downloads on my website. Uh, so I've got a, a counter there, and uh, the uh, accumulated number is now at, I think, uh, over 220 million. So that's, uh, that's uh, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's something I never imagined would be the case. Like for yeah. a fly system, the main package alone is uh, 133 million, which is uh, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so so fly system is a file system abstraction layer for PHP. It's not for Laravel, right? But at some point, it got pulled in the Laravel core, which is why we're talking about it today. If just because I was planning to talk about it later, but you know, let's just do it right now. If you had to tell somebody simply what fly system is, let's talk about a programmer now. What is fly system for a programmer? Yeah. So if you're interacting with file systems, every file system has their own API. And uh, this means if you're integrating with that API, uh, like whether it be FTP or Dropbox or AWS, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you're integrating to that, your code knows the destination where you write to. So this means there's a, a matter of coupling to this implementation. Uh, so for small surfaces, it doesn't really matter, but the more you write files and the bigger your application becomes, uh, if this uh, coupling becomes too much, it can become problematic. It can also, yeah. uh, uh, if, if there's too much coupling, you call this vendor locking, and then uh, the cost of moving away from a particular vendor is too high to pay. And so yeah, what, exactly. what Fly System is, is basically a generic API so that regardless of where your files end up, you write the same code to get it there. And yep. the destination is just a configuration. Uh, so this means that you basically rid yourself of this vendor lock-in. Uh, and you can uh, uh, switch between file storages if you need to. I, I think uh, at one time, uh, Taylor uh, uh, messaged me about uh, transferring all kinds of files from FTP to AWS. He was just uh, 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 passing it from, from one end to the other uh, uh -huh. without even you know, the code having any specific things. And knowing about the and about the destination, and all the consuming code and the code around it uh, would just remain untouched. Uh, so that's the power of uh, of a fly system. So it's an abstraction to be able to use whatever file system you want and still uh, get all the same behavior and all the same yeah. uh, interface. I love that. And and we we talked about containers in a really recent um, episode. And one of the things we kept getting examples of is, let's say you were using Mandrill as an email provider for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you decided you want to change to use um, Mailgun because Mandrill started charging money. And we talked about how it's so easy if they are uh, those those. Uh, clients that you're using are basically using the same interface, then as long as you know, you're making calls against that interface, that if you just swap whether you're using the Mailgun provider or the Mandrill provider once in the container, we talked about aversion and control. And if you all have not listened to the, the episode with uh, Christoph Rompel about the container, I'd definitely take a listen to it because we're going to reference it again here. But that same way that you could swap two different email providers, what Fly System allows you to do, even before you're in the Laravel world, is to similarly use the same code against the same interface and swap between AWS and DigitalOcean spaces or whatever else it ends up being. Um, and so Fly System made so much sense. And prior to Fly System coming to Laravel, we just had this file facade, which is very helpful, but it was mainly a wrapper around the existing PHP functions, like open and all that kind of stuff. And so we still have that, although I don't know if it's documented. But the more common one we're going to use is when Fly System got built, brought into the core, and that's the storage facade. And so when we're dealing with storage in Laravel, and we say storage, blah, 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 um, you know, maybe you might define the disk and then you call a method. That method is basically just proxying that off to a particular fly system driver. And the fly system drivers are each of the implementations, right, for each of the uh, the, the storage providers, each of the vendors. So yep. you could say like a, like a fly system uses uh, an adapter pattern. So think of an adapter as you would like uh, if, you've, if you've got uh, European... Uh, uh, power outlets, yeah. and you need to put in an American device. Well, you need a uh, thing that you put in between that adapts one thing to the other. Well, for yes. uh, files, uh, file storage, you basically use the same. 
Uh, so yeah. while the thing that you're interacting with or the thing that you're connecting to uh, is not identical to the thing uh, that uh, is on the other end being connected with, uh, that doesn't matter for you anymore because your uh, uh, your adapter just fits. So it's it's yeah. it's pretty much the same uh, same concept. Uh, yeah, and indeed, the, the 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 file uh, file system facade uh, I think is still there. I think. Also, it's still uh, still relevant. I think there is a good distinction uh, to be made uh, between uh, having interactions with your local file system and using mm -hmm. that file system for storage. So I think the storage yeah. name in the facade is actually really smart uh, because huh. it, it puts a particular view on how mm -hmm. you need to treat this. Because as a, as a programmer, you have a lot of interaction with the local file system. Uh, like your yeah. PHP files are on there. Uh, maybe like you've got some things that will only ever be local. Uh, for example, yep. like a, um, a dumped uh, routing uh, file, for example, right? That's right. That gets stored on your local disk. But mm -hmm. nobody will ever put that on a remote FTP server and use that right. for their like that. That makes no sense. So that will always yeah. ever be local. So having this distinction, I think, is good. Uh, wow. And and making sure that if you if you think about file storage, you were you're really focusing around handling stuff that the user uploads, uh, bigger mm -hmm. stuff that you need to. Uh, generate, get input, uh, manipulate, and then store some uh, somewhere else, but not yeah. the things that you would have only on that on that website. I love that. So that because I'd never actually fully known like when should I use file versus storage, and you just gave me a great metric. Like if you could imagine putting this thing on AWS or FTP or Dropbox, usually it's user provided very frequently. It's going to be served to users later. Even if you are temporarily holding it on your local server until you set up AWS or something, that makes sense for the storage facade. If it's something that will never be put in that place because it's much more a part of the local environment or part of the local code, that makes sense to use the file facade. That is lovely. Thank you. Like, yeah. it makes <laughs> I love doing this podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this That's is also so good. Like, that, that mental model, I think, is if I look at people trying to use fly system for the wrong things mm, it is mm -hmm. them trying to use it for whether uh, when they should should have used the local file system yeah it's like i love that fly system is an 80 20 or a 80 20 solution right yep. so it does 80 percent of the things very well yep. and those are their 20 percent of the things uh yeah, you just shouldn't use fly system for that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Either it's going it, to be overkill or it won't be a good fit. Yeah, and I, I love that. So what are the, you usually start with you describing the topic to a five-year-old. And I, I don't think I even asked you that. So let's roll this back a little bit and just say, <laughs> if you were talking about file storage through a framework, not even worry about fly system, not worry about these things, what does it look like for you to describe this topic to a five-year-old? Uh, for a five-year-old, do five like I? I don't have kids. I know you don't have kids. Yeah. So uh, do do five, they watch TV? They watch. They TV. use. Do they, they, use social they watch media? TV. They use iPads. They use yeah. iPads. All right, but no social media though. No social media. Okay. So that's that's a tough one. So <laughs> mm -hmm. do do they use file storage? Like, oh well, you know what? A lot of five-year-olds these days are in virtual school, right? So all right. It, so maybe that might give you some context to work with. Of course, like I, I bet they need to uh, uh, create assignments that they need to upload, right? Got so uh, I, I'm if um, if you go and have have to upload your assignments to your teacher, that goes via uh, your browser. You upload it there, and there's a machine that needs to handle this. But it needs mm -hmm. to also give it to somebody else afterwards because yeah. it's not a direct line. So it yeah. needs to be stored in a location, this file, so for, for somebody else to retrieve it later. So yeah. the file storage is basically uh, everything between the process of you uploading that file to the other person being able to access it and seeing that there is a file, reading the file, and be able to download it. So Love it. 
that's, uh, that's for someone who, who wasn't prepared, who doesn't have kids. You did a pretty good job. I love <laughs> that. Yeah. So storage, file storage for, for those of us who are a little bit more older than five. I mean, like it's it's the process of and, and, and again, you're continuing to make this distinction of it's not as much about reading your .env. It's not as much about, you know, even opening some stub files you have. You can do those, but that's a little bit less what we're talking about here. We're talking a little bit more about upload, user uploaded stuff. I mean, sometimes it might be stuff that is particular to this environment. But one thing to note is that I believe that the Laravel's file, our, um, file system, the storage drivers, always default to the storage directory. And I know that, so Frank is super involved and in, in very key for influential Laravel stuff, but doesn't write Laravel in the day-to-day right now. So I'm going to try and step in and bring any modern Laravel context. I, so so Frank, I'm not putting this expectation on you, but I'm pretty sure that everything sits in the slash storage directory, which is also helpful. At times I've been like, oh, I'm working with this this storage facade. Why is it always assuming everything's in the storage directory and I have to like make a new disk for local stuff? And I should have been using the file facade for that one. And so that's kind of the idea there is if it belongs in the storage directory, which is this more like ephemeral, temporary, uploaded stuff or whatever else it is, whether it's for the for the users to download and we're putting it in a real place temporarily or user uploaded, whatever, that's what this is for. So I love that. That's perfect. And you're continuing to teach me how to use this well. So you gave a, one use case for a student, but what, what, as a programmer, as a Laravel programmer, what do you think of some of, some of the common use cases are for somebody to use this storage facade, this file system? Right. So uh, for anything that is involving any type of uh, publishing, uh, you need to store photos, uh, you need to yep. store movies, uh, anything uh, in, in regards to, uh, to those kind of uh, uh, media device, uh, uh, formats, uh, you need mm-hmm. to a place for that. If you're doing, like I do uh, financial processing, a lot of that mm-hmm. is uh, basically getting well, CSV files actually from FTP yeah. servers. So like yep, finance, uh, finance is as non-sexy as it is a sexy business. So yep. like we're still dealing with FTP uh, here. <laughs> Uh, so in all those kind of cases, uh, uh, when you have this, these read-write uh, uh, scenarios uh, uh, from interconnected sources, that's where you use, uh, where yeah. you use file systems. Yeah. So, and then you mentioned user uploads already. So read-writes from different connected scenarios. And I, I, I appreciate that because we tend to talk about it the most often as user-uploaded content. But it's also stuff that you're pulling in from somewhere else. You know, or pushing up to somewhere else, and I always forget that there's an FTP driver. I feel like there's some cool stuff I could do with that that I haven't thought about. I, I like, I, like, I feel like having modern programmatic access to FTP must enable some cool things or some cool things built on top old old things like what you're doing, right? You're taking old financial systems and building new modern tech on it. So now you got me thinking. So yeah, so common use cases: user uploaded stuff, writing to, reading from external systems. Any other common use cases you can think of, or is that about uh, well, it? Well, uh, so uh, interacting with legacy systems. This is one. A lot of old yeah. legacy systems they uh, they store intermediate state stuff on FTP uh, systems, and those are old systems that people don't want to change. They're still making money and the the entire world integrates in that way. Uh, Stuff that you can do with that is if you have an easy way of accessing it, um, interact with that uh, FTP and then read it and maybe push it onto Kafka or push it onto something else where you use the new tech. So all of this stuff that is pretty ancient and uh, FTP, I think, should fall under the ancient uh, (laughs) category, you can basically put a wrapper around that and use all mm-hmm. the new and fancy tech That's cool. on everything that you connect to. So I, I, I like, like it for that kind of use case as well. Yeah, and that's cool because like what is easier is to, to get them to take their old COBOL or Fortran or whatever it is system and to add an API or is it for them to build a custom report that exports as CSV and stays it into an FTP accessible directory, right? Like one speaks the language of those old systems, one of them does not, but we now have the access to that, F- that CSV file through the magic of the fly system. That's great, I love that. Legacy systems. And we talk about legacy systems a lot at Titan, and I don't think that's something we talk about that often. So well, I'm I make don't sure think everybody at Titan listens to this one. <laughs> I don't think people talk enough about legacy systems because yeah. I think in general, the, the systems that make money are mostly legacy systems. So yep. these are older systems, have been around for a while, uh, have yeah. maybe not uh, got all the new shiny tech. Uh, but yep. that does not mean that they're not valuable. Like 
Uh, I think uh, uh, some people at our uh, at the company that I work at, we've got some older parts as well, and we call yeah. uh, uh, we call those the vintage parts. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! I love that vintage. Yeah, it's so much nicer word than legacy, right? Right. It exudes some value, and there's some finesse yeah. to it, right? It's managed to stick around for this long, so obviously it has some value to it. Yeah, yeah. I like that collectible. Well, your collectible code samples. Okay, so we know what this is for. We've actually talked a little bit about the architecture of how Fly System kind of powers this. And one of the reasons I wanted everybody to hear that, and maybe you'll get into it later, I'm not sure, is knowing that like if you get stuck in the file system and you're seeing these Fly System errors, just for people to know, what, what does the name Fly System mean? What is it talking about? So off the top, it's a, it's an open source package. You know, Are you still the primary maintainer? Yeah. I think you are, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you get stuck and you're having storage trouble and you want to know what the heck is going on with this Fly System thing, just go Google Fly System or Frank DeYunga, or maybe I'll just put his phone number up on the internet after this and you can just text him at like three o'clock in the morning and ask him. But I just wanted you all to hear that. But let's let's go back to just using Fly System primarily, although maybe the file system as well, which you know is like file get contents and stuff like that. Using it day to day as a PHP programmer who is new to this, what what trips people up? When you see people getting stuck or coming maybe maybe coming to Fly System and asking, you know, things and you have to help them figure out a problem. What are the most common ways people get stuck or have to learn a new way of thinking when it comes to this? So I think uh, there's two areas where you can uh, uh, which you can look at. One is uh, operating on big files. So okay. what yeah. if you are uh, dealing with videos, for example? These tend to be multi-megabyte uh, things that you need to carry around. Yeah. And so if you're looking at uh, images, those are a couple hundred kilobytes. Um, yeah. Sometimes one megabyte, and you can hold those in memory pretty well. Um, but if if this uh, number starts to rise, and I would even say if if you if you even if you have a lot of images and you have a lot of traffic, uh, then you want to use something different in terms of your you handling that file. So yeah. if your if your user is uploading something, it gets sort of streamed to this uh, temp directory. And so yeah. from that, you can open that file uh, and you can do file get contents. Uh, but this will uh, load that entire uh, thing into a string. And a string okay. is basically uh, everything that you have is also loaded into memory. Yeah. So uh, if you have a three megabyte file, you will have a three megabyte string. So yeah. this means uh, that uh, your memory still will start jumping up and down. It will be very uh, unpredictable and difficult to scale. And sometimes yeah. you will hit an out of memory thing. So one of the mm -hmm. things that I see often is people uh, uh, saying, well, I've got this error from file system. It says trying to allocate an mm -hmm. X number of bytes uh, yeah. and I only have so much free. And they think it's a file system issue because the file uh, or uh, the error says, well, this is from file system. Yeah. Well, actually, so this is, this is just memory consumption. And there's yeah. a pretty easy way uh, around it. And uh, in part, I think uh, uh, part of the success of file system was that it handles streams very well. So yeah. a stream is more is a more memory efficient way that's more uh, sort of native to the uh, operating system where you only hold a chunk uh, of data in memory at a time, and you basically yep. are uh, able to pump it to a destination. So you can yep. flush a stream uh, somewhere. So yep. uh, this means that, uh, and it does that by, per chunk. So at any given time, you will only ever have as much as the chunk is. So I think mm -hmm. by default, PHP uses like one megabyte chunks. So this means your top uh, 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 memory consumption based on that file system operation is one megabyte, even if you are uh, uh, transferring a multi-gigabyte file. Uh, yeah. Fly system does this in a way that also the underlying adapters respect this. So for example, if you're uploading to S3 and you've got a multi-gigabyte uh, file, it will make sure to do that in chunks uh, and it will even do that in parallel, uh, but it will always make sure that the memory consumption will remain low. Uh, yeah. So whether you're doing that with AWS or you're doing that with uh, Google uh, Cloud Storage, 
it's all the same for fly system users and they can just trust that this will respect uh, the memory limits that are set on the machine. So that's quite nice. Which we get we get magically for free because if you use the put or put file methods on the storage facade, it's already using fly system streaming capacity. So basically if you've got something already, you're writing using streaming. The question though is about reading using streaming. And so that's the thing that's most interesting to me. So if somebody uploads a massive file through like a web input, they're gonna be just stuck with basically like more traditional system, right? Like their browser is gonna be hitting the, the PHP server that's gonna be saving it in temp. And that's that's not something you could control, right? It's when you're moving it from the temp to your final location that you're in control of it, right? So there's this thing called pass-through, and you can pass a stream on a on close handler. And this will oh, make really? sure that you can also stream the downloads uh, back to the client. Okay. So of course it depends on um, on your web server configuration. So you will need to do some stuff in Apache, or if if you use Nginx, then you will need to configure some some stuff there. I think it's mostly output buffering that you need to uh, get a better handle on. But if you yep. configure this right, uh, you can basically stream it from end to end. So that's pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, and th there is a, um, uh, I don't know if it's a function or ma a macro, but a function on the response helper from, from Laravel called stream download. And again, whatever you put in there will get streamed down to the user. So we can get free streamed saving files to your local file system from, if you've got it in your controller or whatever else, you can stream it to the file system uh, for free just by using the storage facade. And if you want to download it to user, you can get it for free using stream download. See, this is the cool thing, right? Like you did all this work to learn all this stuff. Some other smart person, probably Taylor, pulled it in the core. And now we have been getting the advantage of the streaming without even realizing we had it all along. Okay, so big files is the number one complaint you get. Are there any other places you see people getting stuck a lot? Uh, people trying to uh, put that 20% on top of that 80%. <laughs> Right. So, what do you have any examples of the twenty percent of where where file system or fly system isn't the right fit? So, uh, for me, I manage a lot of these adapters. Uh, so, one mm -hmm. of the things that I uh, I've consciously left out is anything that has to do with URLs. Uh, I know that oh, yeah. um, uh, Laravel takes this on because it says for these ones I I support it. And yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense for uh, a developer experience of a framework uh, to add richness on top of stable yeah. uh, uh, stuff. But that does mean like for the fly system context, it's re less relevant. So yeah, totally. you should not try to get all of the, um, like let's call it exotic features from everything into this into one uh, abstraction mm -hmm. because yeah. In the end of the day, that's that's what 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 uh, fly system is an abstraction, and uh, an abstraction by definition is a simplification of the world. Mm -hmm. world, if it if it did everything, it would not be an abstraction. It would just be mm -hmm. the thing that it abstracts. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, it, it, there needs to be this uh, uh, commonality, and there needs to be mm -hmm. a, be an abstract concept that you can replicate over multiple things. Sometimes with a translation layer. For example, mm -hmm. the visibility is an abstraction over Unix file permissions or okay. ACLs in uh, in AWS or uh, whatever uh, different uh, kind of uh, uh, file systems use. Yeah. Uh, so this this is something that you that does not directly translate, but we yeah. can come up with a concept that does unite it in a usable yeah. way. Uh, so for, for, for these cases, I will introduce additional uh, abstractions. And for Fly System V2, uh, those abstractions got a lot richer because you get a lot more fine-grained control over it. Um, but for the thing that's one-off, so like URLs or like some, some people wanted to, um, like the MD5 digest of uh, some mm -hmm. cloud provider that only that cloud provider uh, supplies or an e-tag, yeah, that's 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 only going to create flakiness around the uh, around the API, and that's what yeah. you try to avoid as a maintainer of an abstraction. Do now, I, I've never actually tried to make a custom driver, but let's say that I was working with AWS and I wanted to do all my core work using Laravel's uh, storage facade, but I also wanted to extend it. 
how hard is it to basically take a new either layer on top of it or make my own custom driver that basically is the AWS driver with a whole bunch of other methods that are very custom to this? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Or is that like, how would you suggest somebody who's just locked into AWS who needs to use all those AWS specific features? How would you suggest they integrate together with Fly System? They're saying, well, uh, my advice would don't use Fly System for this. <laughs> so fair enough. Um, if you're looking at the, the chain of dependencies, right? You're you're creating a AWS SDK instance. You're passing it to Fly System, and now you want uh -huh. to do something else with that SDK. But you why not just had, work with the SDK in the first just place? Just use the SDK. You already <laughs> had. Yep. In fact, yep. you put it there. So yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, cool. So that's a good point. Like if, if you're getting to the point where you do need all those things, that may even be a day where it's time for you to start moving over to using the SDK rather than trying to shoehorn all these things into something that was built to be a more generic abstraction like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's, it's cool. supposed to I be a that. simplification of the thing, not the thing. Yeah. yeah. I get that. I like that. For anybody else who's a super nerd in college, I studied, God, this... The guy, basically, there's this philosopher, and I think it may be Baudrillard, but I'm not sure. And he did this whole thing about simulacra, where it's and it, it's fine if this is not something you've experienced, because most humans have not. But he had this idea, basically, like, what would it be like if we had a map that covered the whole world that was exactly the same size as the world? And so now you're getting me back into my college days of like, yeah, what's, what's the, what is the simulation? So anyway, now I'm going to go email my college professor and ask him some questions about this. Well, in the, in the DDD community, and especially in the mapping community, this is what they recommend reference a lot, right? Uh, you need oh, really? To, you, need to, you need to capture at the level of detail that helps you solve the problem. And so yeah. if you need a map to navigate something, uh, then you need a simplification of it because otherwise you would just be standing in the field trying to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. So I know that simulation simulacra was Baudrillard, but I am thinking that the map may have been Baudrillard. It may have been Borges. So if anybody knows, I bet you my business partner, Dan, knows, let me know afterwards and I'll try and throw in the show notes. But yes, exactly. That's that's exactly the point. If you if you if you had a whole map, you would just be standing on something as big as the world. and It wouldn't be doing the job for you. The benefit of a map is it's smaller than the world and gives you enough information, just like you're saying. The benefit of this is it's smaller than the entire um, API uh, I don't know. It's smaller than building everything for everything, which is why it's easier. But then, of course, you don't get everything. Cool. Yeah, they um, often uh, say like uh, uh, with uh, with models and maps, all of them are uh, wrong, but some are useful, right? So <laughs> I just I heard that quote recently. Whoever said it, there they know what they're talking about. Yeah, there's some um, people. <laughs> so okay, so are there any other common places where you see people who are new getting stuck or anything? Even if it's not something that people get stuck on, if you had like one or two pieces of information you really wanted to impart to somebody to set their direction right as they consider working with storage in the future, is there anything else you want to make sure people hear? Yeah. So one other important aspect that I put into the design of fly systems is to make sure that everything is based off of a relative route. Uh, so okay. some people, especially if you're used to uh, operating the file system directly, you're always mm -hmm. going from your place and then relative to, uh, to that by cascading up or using yep. an absolute path. And that's often what people yeah. prefer. They're saying yeah. like absolute paths uh, are the quickest to resolve and you always know uh, where you are. And that's that's completely fine from that I'm operating with a local file system point of view. Like it would right. be weird if, uh, if everything uh, was relative in your PHP application itself. But if you're looking from a portability aspect, mm -hmm. if, you, uh, if you consider that everything needs to be stored somewhere and if you... Uh, those uh, paths may not map across different storage solutions. So if you right. make sure that from a given route, it's always relative to that, whatever yeah. it's relative to can change. Yeah. So this allows you to uh, uh, sunset a lot of this vendor locking that I talked about earlier. Uh, because if you're now storing in S3 and you've got one bucket that you maybe share for multiple parts of your application, but you just have yeah. one bucket, and then this relative root is not going to be at the root of the bucket. It's going to be somewhere deeper. And if you yeah. change this or you, you want to be able to restructure, and I think this is also one of the things that I personally like, I like being able to move stuff because I like to grow software 
uh, as it evolves, right? Yeah, and I, yeah. I want to have the least amount of constraints. So if I, if I can apply uh, sort of doctrine in this, uh, and not doctrine in the ORM, but like doctrine yes. as in thought, um, to uh, like solutions that work regardless of context, it is make sure that when you write files, always make it relative to something. And mm -hmm. so then you can always move it around. So even this is even a good thing if you're looking at uh, uh, storing it on the local disk. Like I've mm -hmm. been in, uh, on projects where uh, all the file system stuff was done locally, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the application was developed and it was working fine. And a couple of years later, those people came back to me and they were like, hey, we're running out of disk space. And okay. then it's like, okay, well, this is something yeah. that we need to fix. Yeah. So what is often like, if you're not in the cloud and you're, uh, or you are in the cloud, but you're on VMs, for example, what is often the case is that uh, either you will get a bigger disk, but that can also uh, result in some downtime. But what's more common is that you will just get new mount points and new mm -hmm. places where you can write. Uh, so then you'll have to do sort of a migration and your base right. path changes. So if you can do all that without having to reconfigure all the paths in your application to write to this new destination, then that is a win. So that's one yeah. of the cases. Always make sure to write in fly system based on a relative path. It's so funny because we're, so we have a client right now who had the exact same thing, but not only did they run out of sp storage space, but everything was in Git. So like gigabytes of file were in the storage directory of their Git. And we're working with them to figure out what does it look like to move this stuff over. And it's funny because we had given them lots of very server-based suggestions because I tend to go server-based before PHP-based. So I'm like teaching them about that, like SCP and stuff like that. But I was like, you know, <laughs> Fly System does have access to that directory and it does have access to your AWS S3 account. And that probably would be the most convenient way to do this. Just hadn't even thought about it. So like you're, you're, you're opening my brain up for Fly System and the storage facade in general as, as tooling, not just for day-to-day, -day, but also for this like data transfer, which I think I don't th tend to think of it as. You could even do this live. So what you can do, because this is an abstraction, so there's an interface that you integrate with. So what you mm -hmm. can do is basically make sure that the, uh, the outer uh, adapter is something that first tries your original source and then tries oh. your next source. Huh. So there's actually for Fly System 1 uh, an adapter called the Replicate Adapter, uh, okay. which will also uh, make sure that if you write, it will go into uh, multiple locations. And when it reads, it will huh. try to read from multiple locations. So because yeah. you're uh, integrating against this interface, all sorts of magic can happen underneath. Uh, so mm. that would uh, completely solve this case, I think, uh, for you. That's so. Let me let me restate it just to make sure I'm hearing you. One of the options is to not move them all at once, but instead just allow the thing to say where is it? Is it in the old system or in the new system? And serve it from whichever. Meanwhile, all new content gets put in in the new system. Well, there's something. Right. See. Like I said, this is why I have this podcast. Okay, so one of the things I want to say real quick is that I know that in when, and you may not know this, but in, when you're configuring the disks in Laravel, you can say the local file system disk, you can put a root on it. And so you can actually say like where, what's, the, what's that root going to be? For an S3 disk, you can configure the bucket, but at least by default, there's no root in there as one of the, the configuration options. I'm wondering if it's something I could add later, and I'm looking at the docs right now trying to see. Do you know off the top of your head? I think there should be. Like, uh, okay. I think uh, I recently uh, had a couple of uh, interactions with uh, uh, Dries while getting ready for uh, Flash System V2. And uh, oh, he cool. mapped uh, all of those configuration options. And I don't think he was surprised by anything there. So uh, I think. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. It probably can be used if, again, if I find it after the call, I'll throw it in the show notes, everybody. Um, it's not one of the ones that's there by default. But I mean, the worst case scenario is you just basically, you know, prefix everything in this app with app name slash when you're, when you're writing it. But it'd be cool if it was something you could actually configure at the, the file system driver level. And I'm, I'm pretty darn sure it's possible. So again, I'll throw in the show notes if it is. So. Yeah, and if it's not, uh, uh, registering a custom adapter is also super, uh, or custom driver in Laravel is also super easy. And then you can mm -hmm. use your own configuration option uh, to put yeah. that, uh, that prefix in there. 
Although if it's not, the first thing I'm going to do is go ask Taylor if he minds if I pull requested <laughs> in because that would be nice. But there, there may not be there may reasons not there. Well, we'll figure it out. Um, OK. Is there anything that you want to talk about that you want to share that you think everybody should hear that's really on your mind that you're really excited about or anything else like that? Well, so uh, last week, uh, uh, the Flash System V2 was released. Oh, wait, it's live already? How did I miss that? I thought it was. I thought you were going to to tr- to trickle that it's coming out in two weeks or something like that. Well, oh my that goodness. was two weeks ago. <laughs> so. Oh, so it's a, it's an RC one though. It's not the. It's no, not no, the. No, no, um, it's a, it's the two point final release. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's totally right. live. It's totally out there. The All main right. documentation page will uh, guide you to it. Um, I love this. Yeah. So if, if I'm a Laravel programmer who's not pulling in fly system on a day-to-day basis, you just said you were talking with Therese. So do you know what the timeline is for us getting V2 in Laravel? Ooh, I don't know if I'm putting somebody okay. in the hot seat for this. Oh, nope, nope. I'm not going to say anything else about it. Uh, if I get that information in a way I can share it publicly, then I will throw it in the show notes as well. So, cool. Um, but just know that we'll get it at some point. So what are you most excited about about fly system V2? So fly system V2 was... So I've I've been maintaining this for about eight years now, right? Yeah, lots so, of time. Um, in these eight years, any mistake that I made with the original design, I've Just stuck with I've it. got hit in the face with that for eight years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I also knew that if you are doing a major version, this is your opportunity to make breaking changes, mm-hmm. and if you're going to do that, you should make them worth your while, right? Yeah, for sure. So I went all out. <laughs> all right. If you're looking, So the basic premise is still uh, the same. Uh, you have mm-hmm. a generic interface. Uh, there's write, write stream, read, read stream. There's list contents, and there's getters to get some me- uh, metadata. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the content listing is one of the first things I wanted to have different. Uh, one okay. of the things that can happen if you have a large file system, uh, in the old implementation, it would just collect in an array, an array of arrays with yeah. all these uh, uh, properties. So it would have to collect all of them before, in yeah. the end, returning it as the output of that function. Yeah. Uh, so this could mean that while you're listing your files, you would be running out of memory because it would oh allocate goodness. too many resources. So yep. this is one of the things that I wanted to change. So what I did, I made the entire thing uh, generator-based. I so, was going to ask. Very so cool. whether or not it's multiple API calls of getting more uh, data, more data, it's just being streamed back to you. So not only are reads and writes now streamed, listings are also streamed. That's and, brilliant. And so because of this streaming uh, thing underneath, I could now... Uh, offer similar uh, convenience tooling that Laravel does with collections. So you can actually do maps and filters over those uh, collections. And so uh, what you get back, if you want to get a list of files, then you basically get a a content listing, and then you map to the file name, and then you use two array, and then you have your array of uh, strings. And everything is streamed, super uh, memory efficient. So if you're doing large um, mm-hmm. migrations of, uh, of files, uh, this is a breeze in that, uh, uh, in that uh, uh, construct, basically. I love that. And for anyone who's not familiar, generators in PHP are, the simplest way I would explain it is sort of like if you're imagining a for each loop over a really huge array, and the array had to be filled before you could do the for each loop, with a generator, you do a for each loop over a generator, and it only has to fill the item that you're asking for at that given moment. That's the simplest version of it. So like a stream, you're interacting with it as it gets its piece rather than once it's gotten the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the in the context of file systems, uh, comparing it to a file handle uh, over yeah. a mm-hmm. full file get contents is the perfect yeah. analogy. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I do one thing. So the one thing that I noticed that I like the most, and I'm sure you're going to tell us a bunch more, is switching to exceptions for errors instead of true or false. I don't know why, but I just love that so much. So I don't even know if Laravel folks are ever going to get that because I think Laravel abstracts away like the error state. But I do love that you did that. But what are, what other things that have you? Are there any other ones you wanted to share? Well, so the exception part is uh, was the next uh, top thing in yeah. my list because um, I think I, I rewrote the exception system. 
around four times before committing to the last one. I think this is where I <laughs> spent right. the majority of my time okay. uh, because I wanted something that um, that really um, resonated with um, also how I look at just generic application design. Mm -hmm. So I tend to write unconventional uh, exception messages. Uh, so okay. I, I've got a, a, a sort of a, um, uh, a trick I like to uh, apply is that uh, when I when I read it, well, it should be clear, of course, what's what's happening, but it mm -hmm. always needs to relate back to the thing I was trying to do. So okay. I try to apply language tricks in order to make sure that I create a name mm -hmm. that resonates that way. So what you'll see in the new version of Fly's, uh, Fly System is that all the prefixes for exceptions that occur based on an operation that you try to execute on file system will start with unable to. Yep. So it will say unable to write a file, unable to delete a file, unable to delete a directory. Yes. And so um, not only is that a lot more logical than having uh, like, for example, database exception. Mm -hmm. So like the exception is the type, so you can remove that. And what are you left with? A database. And yeah. what's wrong with the database, right? So yeah. these things, wow. they don't articulate anything. So um, mm -hmm. that's that's what I uh, applied. Um, over the years, I've had a couple of uh, uh, times where I was lucky enough to uh, work with uh, Ross Tuck. Uh, oh, and he, smart guy. He's one, one, he's a very smart guy. Uh, and he had a lot of original thoughts around this. And I think mm. um, even uh, at, at Molly, his blog posts have been referenced uh, for a very long time. You know, like, hey, nice. if you want a good exception design, well, uh, you know, this is something that you can look at. Yeah. And he mainly focused on the named constructor. So uh, those kind of mm -hmm. named constructors also apply there. For example, like if Love you those. say, unable to write a, a file at location, and that is mm -hmm. how you write that there's an exception for something. Yeah. So um, that. that's really nice. Uh, the last thing that I want, uh, um, uh, that I also spent quite a lot of time on is actually the uh, testing setup uh, of everything. Okay. So before I used a lot of mocking uh, for file system interaction. So file system one was uh, mocked all the way through yep. in my day-to-day -day life. I've been struggling with mocks more and more, especially when projects age. So yeah. it really huh. makes it harder to evolve a code base if there's extensive mocking. I, yeah. I'm not saying mocking tools are bad. I've had this discussion before, and uh, I'll link you to a blog post of me actually advocating against them. But yeah. uh, uh, they're not inherently bad, but my experience mm -hmm. with it was bad. Uh, and yeah. also because people have uh, not enough alternatives. Um, yeah. So for file system interaction, I think the biggest proof what you can do is actually interact with the file system. Yes, you're speaking my language here. So that's what your tests do? All my tests on every run on Git, uh, GitHub, uh, they actually talk to an in-Docker FTP server, an in-Docker yes. SFTP server, an FTPD server, they talk actually to AWS and they actually talk uh, to Google Cloud. Wow. So all these things are just tested as they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but it goes one step further. There is a generic test contract that's an abstract mm -hmm. class uh, that defines some common use cases for things that we really want to have the same behavior on. And so mm -hmm. Regardless of what implementation you have, if you into, uh, if you extend your base test class from this test class and implement the methods, you will have uh -huh. a base set of tests that you're validating. That's against. so cool. Yeah. So, and this is really the proof of the pudding that you can really uh, not trust uh, that everything will be the same, but you can prove that everything is yeah. the same. And proof is better than trust, right? That is cool because, you know, and I, I know not everyone here is fully, you know, conversant and all the stuff around testing. I mean, one thing to note is that mocks would be something like instead of actually. So what what Frank is talking about here is the idea that if you want to test to make sure that your write 
method works, you check that there's no file and then you run the right method and then you check that there's a file with the right name and the right permissions, the right everything. And that's literally happening in the test. Files are being written. In mocks, it would have probably been something more like uh, test to make sure that the write is passed correctly to AWS. You would make a mock of the AWS SDK that should receive method write in AWS, whatever. And so you're you're testing in some ways with a mock. You're testing to assure that the methods are called that you're calling, right? And so it's harder to to know for sure that it's doing the thing you want because with the more you mock, the less you know that it's doing the thing you want, and the more you know that you just wrote the, your mocks the same way you. You wrote, wrote your integration. Yeah, that's basically yeah. it. So I, uh, I've been in situations if the underlying SDK uh, changes and not always uh, uh, like backwards compatibility is sometimes broken uh, mm -hmm. unintentionally. And for those cases, you want to know, especially if you're on the integration boundaries uh, and mm -hmm. if those are your money makers, you want to be able to yeah. assert them. So, and that's what we we talked with Adam about that on testing the testing episode, and he said what I do is I write all my code against my service layer, and then I have a separate set of tests where my service layer actually tests against the real integration because otherwise, how do I know that my service layer or whatever you want to call it, but basically like his his Dropbox code at some point actually tests against real Dropbox instance, and then everything else in the rest of the app is just tested against a mock of that mock of that Dropbox code. But he has at some point has to believe that the Dropbox code is doing what it says it does by actually checking it. So I love this. Yeah, that's so great. that's uh, if if you're looking at that from um, let's let's say a school of thought uh, kind of perspective, uh, this is a big component in something that you call a hexagonal architecture. So mm -hmm. uh, that you uh, have a, a port where you integrate with the outside world, and you have an adaptation to the outside world that implements the port. So that's mm -hmm. the port is the interface, and the concrete uh, implementation of that is the adapter. Uh, so uh, for these for these cases, this always works. And Fly System uh, is built around that same premise, uh, although for a generic use case. Uh, but you can apply this uh, holistically uh, as well in application development, and that's uh, referenced often as hexagonal architecture. And uh, Chris Fidal gave a talk about hexagonal architecture years ago at Alaricon, wrote a blog post there. But I, don't, I haven't heard it come up very much. But for anyone who is new to Laravel, new to, to storage, as you can tell, Frank and I have a history of just kind of like going super deep on things. So if you're, I, I say this often, but if you're getting overwhelmed by any of the things we're diving deep into, the beginning of this episode, I think, was the most important key. The most important key is for you to understand that you're using this file facade when you're dealing with things that have much more to do with the app, the running of your application, the stuff in your local system, the things that it takes to work. You're dealing with the storage facade when you're dealing with storing files, writing files, or taking user uploads and writing them, or user downloads, or downloading stuff from other servers or whatever. The storage facade is backed by Fly System, and Fly System is this whole system of adapters that Frank was telling us about. Is there anything else that you feel like just high-level stuff? That is worth having a conversation about before we wrap up for today, just about dealing with storage. Let's let not even fly system, not even Laravel. Is there anything else as a web programmer working with file uploads, file downloads, file streaming? Is there anything else we haven't covered? Um, I think then there's one tiny aspect, and that is okay. um, try not to rely too much on metadata from files. So okay. a lot of people want to uh, like. If this file was written at this point in time, that means something else, uh, like this timestamp is now ha has a significance to my domain. If it okay. has significance to your domain, store it in a database. Because if you want to have to rely on your file system uh, for this, uh, you're mm. going to get weird needs uh, from your file system. Uh, but also, uh, File systems tend to get corrupted, need to be restored, uh, sometimes migrate, and now all this metadata is basically oh. useless. That's like, for example, when you look at the created at date on some photos, hoping it would tell you when the photo was taken, and they all say the day you moved them to your new computer or something like that. So, yeah. and this is also no, like the, the, the modified time is pretty uh, uh, unique, but added time, for example, is something that's only available mostly in local file systems. So, I wouldn't count on it. If, if it's okay. important to you, just make sure that you store it in a normal database. That's really helpful. 
Okay, so the last question I usually ask before we start wrapping up is, is there anything else, um, are there any other learning resources that if someone wanted to learn more about this, are there talks that you or somebody else have given, blog posts that you or somebody else have given, or any uh, training things or anything like that? Are there really good places for people to learn about this? So I try to uh, capture the most and the majority of it in the documentation of fly system itself. Uh, okay. So even if it's around uh, topics like um, writing deterministic code around file systems, right. I will even uh, have uh, pages around that uh, sort of thing. I love that. Yeah. Um, I've done uh, a lot of talks over the years about uh, uh, fly system. So if you type fly system on YouTube, I'm sure you'll get a couple of hits. Uh, so it. any talks there, um, yeah, those should be... Uh, uh, those should be good enough. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, we'll find those and we'll get them. So the last thing is, before I t you tell everybody how they can follow you or pay you money or anything, there's a personal fun moment. I, I, I asked something about somebody's history, and I, there's probably things from 20 years in your past I could ask you about, but I'm actually super curious. You recently worked for Schiphol Airport, and it is maybe my favorite airport I've ever been in in my entire life. And it is just, it's modern, and it's clean, and it's well-run. And I was just curious... Are there any, like, first of all, do you have fun working there? But second of all, are there any stories, and maybe no, right? But are there any stories or interesting things that come away from working for an airport as a programmer that you could share? Yeah, okay. well, so I I should say, like, I was a freelancer before, and now I'm, uh, I'm employed. Uh, mm -hmm. But hands down, that was the best freelancing place uh, to work at ever. Like, really? uh, nothing comes close. Like the, mm -hmm. the level of trust from the organization, the, lo uh, the, the level of uh, freedom, the, the, the drive for innovation there. Mm -hmm. um, we had like, we were doing agile while the rest of the, uh, the company was at that time still doing a lot of waterfall uh, planning mm -hmm. because waterfall planning makes sense if you're like, nobody's scrumming a <laughs> runway, I can tell you that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's, that's clever stuff. But we had a, like a literal two, uh, three by two meter pirate flag on our uh, <laughs> department where we worked because nice. we were like the 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 programming rebels uh, over there. Yeah. Uh, but okay. there was like uh, it was work hard, play hard. I've never learned so much in my life as huh. in that period. I've never been so excited uh, uh, to to uh, take on any uh, uh, assignment there. I actually went yeah. back uh, and uh, did another. Like I was there for a year and a half, and mm -hmm. I, I was like to I used to like to move like after a year. Already extended okay. that to a year and a half, and then came back on a different project within the same uh -huh. company. Uh, that was a TypeScript uh, project, so something completely different. Uh, nice. But again, like um, turned out to be like some of my pro best programming that I've ever done and the hmm. uh, best business successes I've ever been a part of. So that's really cool. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, 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 it's just so funny because I saw it and I just remembered I really like that airport and just seeing that you were working there was cool. So, okay. So if someone wants to follow you, you know, what's where's the best place to follow you? Is there anything that you want them to buy or download or try or anything like that? What's what's what plugs do you have for us? Well, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. So that's mm -hmm. twitter.com slash Frank de Jonge. Uh, so I'm pretty sure this will be in the show notes. Uh, right? It'll be in the show notes. Yep. So. You can uh, sponsor my open source efforts. Uh, like I'm, I'm mostly the sole maintainer of a fly system. Um, I'm at zero issues right now, and that's not because hey, it's uh, come on. It's it's not because it's perfect software, but right. I put in the time. I put in the Putting work. Putting the work in, yeah. Uh, so um, uh, if you can, uh, please support me. If you want to do something good for the environment, my uh, GitHub sponsors thing also links to a place where you can donate trees. I'm, I'm yay for the environment. So like, if I see that, I'll be just as happy seeing the money go that way uh, than it goes into my pocket. I love this. So I've known you for, I mean, I don't know how long, but not eight years, but close. And you know, I don't think I've ever heard you say your first name before. I've only heard other people say it. And you just said it and I went, are you kidding me? Can you say your first name again? Frank. So I've been saying like Frank, like, oh, and it's Frank. 
It's, yeah. it's higher in the nasal. For how many years have you known me and not told me that I was saying your name wrong? <laughs> oh my God. Freaking I'm, Americans I'm an, and just I'm a our reputation for getting guy. it wrong. Like, the majority of the people just call me Frank, and that's fine for me as well. <laughs> and for I mean, me... For yeah. for me, like I hear you put in effort, and that's what I appreciate, man. That's uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. I got your last name right at least, so I'll take that for a win. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. It was so wonderful having you. Thank you for Fly System, and you're also. Do you still maintain the CSV package or no? Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's. Uh, or is that somebody else that does that's that? Somebody else. Yeah. I okay. I was about to thank you for somebody else's work. <laughs> well. Thank you for Fly System. Thank you for, you know, the stuff, because again, like you have done something that is so foundational for us and you were at Laracons and Laravel Conversations early day. And while you were in Fuel PHP, which is not Laravel, your and Phil's work in Fuel was a part of helping the, the, the PHP ecosystem grow and stuff like that. And I just want people to know like what you've done. So thank you for what you've done. Thank you for continuing to help us. I do hope you get some more trees or sponsors out of this, but either way, thank you so much for joining me. It was a ton of fun. You're very welcome, Matt. And uh, thank you for having me on course. See y'all next time.